Hello, this podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is an amazing company that has formulated the most powerful substance in our body that was taken way back in the Egyptian era known as the food of the gods. Not only does it bring in balance, happiness, and increase your intuition, it decalcifies your pineal gland, which opens up your third eye and increases your light body, allowing your consciousness and your awareness to be open and aware of everything that is going on. The high-level mineral source, which we need today on our planet, is so important. With the fact that the earth itself has been overturned so many times with all of the farming industries, that we do not have access to the rich ormus that is available in this planet. And thanks to now alchemy, we do. We now have the sustenance that our body needs that is brought in from the Himalayan mountains and the Dead Sea. Ormus, which is powerful energy source that moves through your body and brings together a whole synthesis of information to every part of your body. By bringing this mineral source, you are nourishing your body at a cellular level. I love the company for what it stands for and its ethics. And it has been a sponsor of Ancient Wisdom Today podcast since the beginning. And that's why I always ask the tribe to support the sponsors who are sponsoring this show because I go through each of the sponsors with strong ethics and integrity to make sure that whatever they are bringing forth is in align to the planet and into you and for all of us so that we can grow and have health and wellness in our lives. Ormus's company spends a lot of time with advanced scientists, naturopaths, and doctors and herbalists to formulate a sourcing technique that brings in the highest quality of organic ingredients from the most mysterious and desolate countries in order to bring the magic in the bottle, which is Ormus. Now alchemy is not just for health and wellness community, but for all people seeking to become their greatest version of themselves. And I've been taking this product for many months, and it has been such an addition to my shamanic love that I bring to the world. And how I bring love into the lives of people is by keeping myself healthy and happy and lifted and shifted. By bringing the highest source of minerals in my body, I am able to hold a high vibration of energy and light when doing healing work or when I'm speaking to large groups of people and when I'm here lit and doing Ancient Wisdom Today podcasts. So I invite you to experience the amazingness of Ormus. They have so many powerful selections that you can choose from, from 24 karat gold Ormus to Shilajit to nano-enhanced CBD to Elysium, each bringing a different blend of energy to your body. And I honestly say that this company is really changing the lives of people. Ever since I've mentioned them and shared them with all of the people in the tribe, I've been getting letters and letters of people's lives that have been changing. And not to mention the fact that those who have had suffered so many times from PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression, confusion, fog brain, and all of these other symptoms that have been plaguing us because of the onslaught of aggressive energies on our planet, by taking Ormus, these things are cleared, neutralized, and allowing you to have more balance and groundedness in who you are, as well as enhancing your mind so that you're able to think clearly and have a stronger focus. You can get Ormus by contacting www.nowalchemy.com. 
www.nowalchemy.com. That's www.nowalchemy.com. And if you use the code SHAMAN, you'll get 11% off every purchase you make. I'm so happy, tribe, that we are putting beautiful things in our body because putting beautiful things in our body is putting beautiful things in our mind and our spirit. And that allows us to shine and radiate our truth in this world as leaders. I love you. Enjoy the share. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a sixth generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today. And I am so happy that you are alive on this planet at this amazing transitional time where we step into this deep, deep awareness that has been left by our ancestors of how we are to navigate this period on earth right now, which we shamans call the great upheaval. And this time where we get to really see how we as leaders are here to leave legacy. And doing so, we get to bring in new energies, new healing forms, new symbols, new technologies, new advancements, new innovations. And that can only come when we step outside of the box and outside of the perimeter, which we we've been told to stay in and begin to go into that place of the unknown. And I love that all of you in this tribe, that is exactly what you're doing because you are lit leaders of legacy. You are part of the Liddy Committee and you are here to hold the highest level of light of unconditional love, no matter what, for the sake of love. And that's a powerful gift to be able to walk as an ambassador of love on this planet holding love no matter what type of opposition or what type of energy you experience and maintaining that level of support for all of your brothers and sisters so that everyone can benefit from the good life and everyone can live their best life. And so being an innovator is a very important thing. And in talking about innovation, I have a very powerful goddess in the studio today who is with us, who is amazing woman who has forged an understanding of what it means to release yourself from these entanglements, these energies that, that clog you up and limit you and hold you back because you're being held back by too much stress. She's even written a book called Stress Less Accomplishment more meditations for extraordinary performance by emily fletcher she is the founder of ziva meditation and let me just tell you when you are as a woman in this world and you're forging new ideas and new concepts you got to be strong in your power and you got to be real about who you are and as you know anyone who comes and shares in this tribe is someone that i see with that quality and that's exactly what this powerful woman represents so i'm so honored and so happy for you tribal members to be here for today's share to witness and experience the wonder and the beauty and the amazingness of Emily Fletcher. Welcome to the studio. I am so honored to be here. Thank you for that. Of course. 
Ah, it's pretty intoxicating already. (laughs) Great. Good. You're getting lit. So tell us about your journey into your life and what what was the thing that because you know I always tell I always say to the tribe, like Gandhi didn't become Gandhi because Gandhi was just Gandhi. Gandhi became Gandhi because Gandhi was working for an aristocratic family in England and then got beat up so bad on a train and thrown from a train. And that is when he witnessed his people. And that's when he made the changes to become the Mahatma Gandhi, Mm -hmm. right? And so what were the things that drastically impacted your life Mm -hmm. that allowed you to forge this new experience of those things, right? To lift those things and bring them to create what you've created today. Yeah. So if we go way back, I'm Southern, I'm like a white lady from the South and I grew up with with an amazing family, but my dad was an alcoholic and had some rage issues. And uh, so I grew up with that. And so I very much liked this other reality. I grew up in theater and I think that I was in the beginning using it a little bit as an, as an escape or a drug. I was more interested in this other reality than, than this physical reality. And then I ended up going into that professionally, went into Broadway, but then when I was 24, my father got liver cancer and passed away. And as you know, anger is stored in the liver, alcohol destroys the liver. And so that was a big wake up call for me because I was on tour at the time. When he got the cancer diagnosis, I came home and I thought, well, let me just do everything I can to try and heal his body. So I, in 48 hours, became like a makeshift cancer nutritionist. We started feeding his body and trying to starve the disease. And by the time I got home, he was basically in a coma. But 48 hours later, because of all these things that we were doing, he was able to walk up and down the stairs and talk and he was able to say his goodbyes. He only had about two weeks left, but at least he was able to be conscious and present for those two weeks. And then when he passed, I felt like I was actually able to heal things once he had left his physical body that I wasn't able to do when he was in his body. There was a level of forgiveness and acceptance and I was able to receive the lessons in a way that I wasn't being held back by anger or frustration or you know any of the other stuff. So that was that. And then I was on Broadway for like 10 years and my last Broadway show was a chorus line where I was understudying three of the lead roles, which is super fun, but also super stressful. Like, you know, that fear of public speaking and being bad at it is actually more intense for most than the fear of death because back in the day, if you got kicked out of the tribe, you would die. Mm-hmm. And so I would be up on stage in a leotard just sucking at my job because I've been thrown on last minute and, you know, 2,000 people looking at you in a leotard and it's like, oh, poor little Broadway star, but it's embarrassing. (laughs) And then that stress led to me having insomnia for about 18 months. I started going gray at 26, started getting sick and injured. And it was confusing why I was living my dream, but miserable. So long story short, found meditation. It cured my insomnia on the first day. I stopped going gray. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. And I was like, why does everyone not do this? So I left Broadway. I went to India. I started what became a three-year training process to be a teacher. I was not in India that whole time. I'm not that hardcore. I'm certainly no shaman. (laughs) I'm just like a Broadway lady who found meditation and it really changed my life. And I just thought, why does everybody not do this? Right. Uh, So came back, opened up Ziva, have since taught 20,000 people to meditate, just came out with this book this year. And it's been the most exciting exciting journey 
ever. Like I feel so, I feel super aligned. I feel super on mission. I feel like I'm able to use my 20 years of performance training, but translate that into this meditation world. So it's more entertaining. It's more accessible. It's more attractive to people who would not otherwise find it attractive. And I feel like that's my role in this. It's really, I think you and I are playing very different parts in this wellness uh, circus, if you will. Mm -hmm. I feel like my job is to take it to the pragmatists, the skeptics, like probably your listeners, like this book is maybe not for them. It might be for their skeptical uncle or their boss or their sister who's like, I can't meditate. You know, like that's where I really shine. Yeah, I, I completely get that. And, you know, a lot of the people that I, uh, how do you say, administer my love to in the world, right, are the big skeptics. They're the CEOs, the Fortune 500 companies, the Wall Street execs, the lawyer, the doctors, the brain surgeons, you know, uh, the hedge funder, you know, all these different things. And a lot of the people who come to the tribe were those people who have now then transitioned into, I want to learn more. And so they join the tribe. So this is actually really great information. And it's great for tribal members also, because they do have those members in their family. Mm -hmm. But what we always say in the tribe, which is uh, a skeptic is a curious person who's protective, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, I'm the biggest skeptic. I don't believe in everything spiritual because I think that there's a lot of things out there that I find to be a little bit uh, distracting than keeping you in your body present with your life. If you're a person, I always look at it from this perspective. If something is not supporting you in what you are doing in the moment of this life, meaning in your day, in your evening, in your uh, whole way of living your life with your family, your friends, and your loved ones, and the world at large, then what are you doing? Because if it's just for entertainment's sake, right? For me, I always look at it like there's a lot of spiritual things out there, but a lot of spiritual things that are out there also are distractions from you coming into your own power and recognizing your own power. Like what? Like what would be a distraction? Like, for instance, people who go to get their past lives found out, but there's no reason for them to do it because they're not really thinking about getting their past lives found out unless it has something to do with what's going on in their life. They don't usually do it that way. They usually go get a tarot card reading because they want to be amused or they want to be like, oh my God, that's so true. It's like entertainment. Yeah, it's entertainment. And it's, a, it's another way that the matrix uses the spiritual context to, 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 to wash over us so that way we can get into this very new age love and lighters going around giving heart, heart hugs and all this kind of stuff, which I call the militant hug. But basically... <laughs> we'll hug the way I say you will. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, you, I get yelled at by so many people. I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be heart to heart. Now you're getting mad at me. I'm just telling you, I just don't think, I think the heart is already connected before I even came close to you, you know? But the reality is, is that because I'm a man of science and I am a person who spent my whole life training and also working with different doctors and different holistic doctors, I have a very strong format if it's supporting the, the growth of humanity in, in all of its ways from the adaptation to the evolution. And so a lot of things I see out there are kind of like getting people so caught up in the woo-woo yeah. aspect of it. I call it spiritual mood making, where you're like making a mood about meditation, but you're not actually meditating. <laughs> you're you're yeah, talking about exactly. it, but you're not doing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, by the way, what was the character that you played in Chorus Line? Oh, I understood he's Sheila, Val, and Judy on Broadway. Mm -hmm. But really, they hired me to be Sheila. I'm an amazing Sheila. Oh, I love Sheila. I was I was okay at Judy. I was terrible at Val. Val's the tits and ass. Yeah, She's yeah, yeah. 
cute little blonde. Like yep. I got plastic, I got boobs. And then I started working. And to me, I'm like this five, nine, like goddess looking woman. They're like, what, you an entire body reconstructive surgery? Like this doesn't make a, war- a lick of sense. Right. Me cursing is not shocking to anyone. And I was not good at the role. Like I couldn't sing it. And <laughs> it was just embarrassing. I'm like, yeah. But but then the good news is I learned to meditate. I then went on tour and I played Sheila. So I wasn't understudying the other roles. I just was playing the role that I was kind of born to play. Mm-hmm. And it was a delight. So I went from my worst professional job to my best acting job. Uh, and the thing that changed in between was meditation. It's so funny how Chorus Line keeps coming up right now because my friend, I was just with my buddy um, Antonio Banderas at his place in Spain and he's working on a play, Chorus Line. Really? So then you mention it. So I'm like, oh, I should put you guys in touch. Yes. <laughs> but like, yeah, because he, he's like big, he's into like, he's creating his his chorus line. He's so big into it. So it's pretty cool. Right. So I love it. And, and then someone mentioned it the other night at an event. And then someone said it to me the other day. It was like, they were like, one moment in sensation. One singular sensation. Yeah, singular sensation. Yeah. yeah. And forget me with the words. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so, you're, so, so you went from this Broadway and then into the meditation. What did you feel was some of the the challenges that you met? Because like, if we're talking about people who have never meditated before, mm-hmm. or people who think like meditation, I don't have time for that, mm-hmm. right? Because again, human beings like to believe that 80% of your life should be in survival mode and 20% should be found in like discovering why the hell you're here and what you're capable of doing and being, right? So what was did you find was the thing that, because a lot of people, they'll say, I'm going to meditate, and then they fall, they fall off. Yeah. So I will say that for me, it was not challenging because I didn't ever even dip my toe in the water. I just went and took a class. I just was like, oh, let me learn this skill. So for me, it was the first day I was in some other state of consciousness. I didn't know what that was, but I liked it. And literally that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have slept every night since that was 11 years ago. So for me, it was like, oh, I'm in. Like I was sold immediately. Like this practice works for me. It fit my nervous system. Now, the the challenges that I see people when they come to me is that, like you said, they think they're too busy and then they get really frustrated if they can't clear their mind because this effing misconception that people think they have to clear their minds in order to meditate. It's like, y'all, the brain flatlines when we're dead and that is not what we're up to when we're meditating. Thoughts are not the enemy of this style of meditation. Effort is. And because people are trying to accomplish an impossible goal, they constantly feel like they're failing when they meditate and then they quit because none of us will do anything for very long that we feel like we're failing at. And so a big part of my mission is just getting this knowledge into people's hands to say like, oh, if I'm thinking while I'm meditating, that's okay. We want We want to judge it, but we want to judge the practice based on how am I feeling and performing in the rest of my life, not necessarily if I'm enjoying the sitting. I don't enjoy the 28th minute on the Stairmaster either, but I do it. You know, mm-hmm. that's not true. I don't go to Stairmaster, but I do work out. <laughs> um, but it's like people are trying to enjoy the meditation. It's like, let's stop thinking about it like a spa day for your brain and instead see it as a spiritual catharsis, which is really what's happening. This is going in and wringing out your nervous system so that you can be more present, happier, healthier more energized in the rest of your life. How often do you recommend people to meditate? Well, in the book, I teach a practice that's 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the afternoon. And then when people learn live, it's 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. So if you do the math on that for the online and the book, it's 2% of your day. It's like, are you willing to invest 2% of your day to be smarter and healthier and look younger and have better sex and better fertility and a better immune function. And when you frame it like that, people are like, oh yeah, I could do 2% of my day. And when people say they don't have time to meditate, I'm like, give me your phone. 
Like, let me look at your social media usage. <laughs> like, if you're spending four hours a week on social media, you have 2% of your day for meditation. Yeah. What do you think? Because, you know, when it comes to what happens to us and the way that we perceive life and how we're um, interacting with life, meditation doesn't seem to be the cool thing on the, the hit list of uh, Instagram or people going and checking their social media, right? What So, because we know that people check their social media for a lot of reasons, which is they want to be liked and they want to see how many followers they get and they want to start feeling something. They want to feel valuable, right? How do we translate that same attention that is put towards social media into being feeling the same energy we get from meditation? Oh, great question. And I think that Really what's happening when we meditate is that we're moving beyond the left brain individuality and starting to tap into right brain totality. We're quite literally st stepping beyond ourselves and connecting to the thing that is inside of all of us. And really, I think that's what we're looking for when we go to social media. We want to feel connected. We want to feel loved. And when you start meditating in this style, within 30 to 45 seconds, your brain floods with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals, which is actually the exact same thing that we're searching for when we scroll, that hit of dopamine when we learn something new and we see a new like. And so it's like, do you want to be quite literally addicted to this external thing for that dopamine hit? Or do you want to start to train yourself to create that chemical in a self-sufficient way? And, and I think any drug that we're looking to, any addiction, sugar, coffee, alcohol, any of it is a, is a replication of something that the body can produce organically. I mean, you know that better than anyone. You know, when you inject LSD into the brain of a lizard, it doesn't trip because its brain doesn't make that chemical. But because LSD is a synthetic representation of something that the human brain can already produce, it's like, hey, what if we were to become like connoisseurs of reality? What if we become self-sufficient for our internal pharmacies to be firing instead of looking to like, oh, well, let me have some coffee in the morning and some alcohol in the afternoon and some sleeping pills at night and some social media to make me feel connected. It's like, no, you can connect to source every day, twice a day. Do you think people are addicted to the dopamine rush? Yes, 100%. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people get stuck into this idea of being perfect, right? And the idea of perfectionism comes with a lot of stress, right? It affects the immune system and just really starts creating a distortion in the way someone chooses to live their life. So either they're living their life from a place where they're enjoying life, but when you have expectations and you want to be perfect, you start creating all of these restrictions in your life. And those restrictions eventually will start to create stress markers and those stress markers will then affect you to start having panic attacks and high anxiety levels. And, and then the list continues. Your body starts heating up inside, your skin tissue heats up and you start getting inflammation and it creates brain fog and you know all kinds of things. Back problems, you know, problems in your central nervous system and so forth. Do you feel like if people were to take on your practice of meditation, do you feel like that is going to lessen those effects? Yes. And this is exactly why I wrote this book. The first seven chapters address everything you just mentioned. It's the science behind why meditation can decrease inflammation. It's the science behind why it can help you make more money, have better sex, improve your immune system, reverse your body age, increase your productivity. So I, I call it like the selfish reasons that people come to meditation. It's like, I don't care if you come to this because you want less cellulite, eventually you're going to be less of a dick. You know, like you could come to it for the most greedy, like I just want to get closer to the CEO and a CEO meditates. So I'm just going to do this weird thing. It doesn't really matter why you start. 
if you actually do it, you will become nicer. Your, your nervous system will soften. You will become less acidic and more alkaline. Your insula will start to connect with the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, which is the piece of us that processes information about people that we perceive as separate. And the insula is the empathy center. So you start to have more empathy for people who you previously thought were different from you. And so all of those things will start to happen, even if you came to it for selfish reasons. And I would say that's kind of what I'm doing is that I'm taking the very powerful medicine that is meditation and wrapping it in some candy coating of like, hey, it's actually going to save you time. It's actually going to help you accomplish more. But the sort of trick of it, if there is one, is that you're accomplishing more by doing less. You become um, more productive by doing less. And you're not kind of doing, you're doing correct yes right did i say kind of yeah i'm a wordsmith so dave and i have this whole like uh dave asked me for everyone who doesn't know digit when i say dave he has these things called weasel words and i have these things called um in between words or words that disempower you right so when you say kind of it means you as the creator hasn't accepted your power in it right so that's why i'm just correcting it because you are doing it right it's so important and i i call i have my friends call me out as well because sometimes i'll say try and then dave will be like we use a word. You're bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It's like not, not, it's not happening. Do or do not. There is no try. That's it. You know, it's the whole, it's the whole Yoda uh, yep. uh, thing. So, okay. So let's look at it from the, from the understanding of the human nature. So what do you feel right now? When we look at human nature, we see a lot of divisiveness, right? We see a society that is being pushed by government and by the system to divide people individually and to limit their ability to bring a sense of peace in their lives because of the over-bombardment of billboards, media, uh, songs that are giving them brain sting, you know, things that are actually affecting them in this very negative way that people don't even realize that a lot of their stress is because they're picking up those gossip magazines, they're watching that crap television and so forth. How, How do you feel about that right now in the world? Well, I think that a very small percentage of the population is making a very large percentage of the world's money off of exactly that, off of keeping people asleep, off of dividing people, of convincing people that they are poor because people that don't look like them are taking their money when actually it's like eight dudes. Eight dudes have half of the money on the planet Earth. Eight dudes have half of the money on the planet earth. Yeah. And so this is, uh, we're not in balance. We have no, there's no lack of food on the planet earth. There's a lack of distribution. That's right. There, there's no lack of abundance. There is a lack of distribution. And so if people, if a life mass percentages of the population are, are kept asleep, then these people who have been profiting can continue to profit. And I think that that's where the divisiveness comes from. And so I think that this age of the internet, this age of, so much access to so much information is on one hand, you know, making us a little bit more stressed and more sick because we have so much coming at us. We become bulimic of the brain. But the flip side of that same coin is that we now have, we all, all of us have access to the very tools that can, where we can wake ourselves up. You know, we don't have to go to the church to tell the priest to interpret the Bible for us anymore. We don't have to go to the pundits in India to say, hey, tell me what the meaning of these ancient scriptures are. We actually have access to the knowledge. We can wake ourselves up. And so I think that this is the blessing of this sort of democratization of knowledge and tools. And so 
and and yes, there'll be people like us that are like on the thin edge of the wedge, like, you know, sounding the alarm and being like, hey, here's this stuff and putting it in books. I mean, like, you know, for $11, you can listen to this on Audible and change your whole life. And now it will be up to us to say, am I willing to wake up? You know, because like waking up in the morning is a little hard. It's like a little uncomfortable. You're like, oh, I'd rather stay asleep. And it hurts a little bit to open my eyes. But once you're awake, then you can do stuff with your life, with your day. And I think that we have a choice right now. You know, can we stay asleep eating food that isn't food, watching news that isn't news, listening to music that isn't music? Or do we want to start to wake up and be intentional about what we're consuming so that we can really start to do big work on the planet? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in, I'm into country music because it doesn't give me brain sting. What's brain sting? Brain sting means the uh, music that has been given words. Words are mantras that have been repetitiously uh, created to create an influx into your subconscious mind. So that way, when you, when you listen to songs and they go into repeat their chorus line, you know, and they keep doing their hooks, it's actually programming your subconscious mind with information and data. And that data, if it is not serving the highest of your being. So like, when you hear songs that'll say things like always about not being enough money or he broke my heart and now I need to teach him a lesson and all these kind of things. A lot of conviction that people have in the world is governed by brain sting, which is from video games, uh, music, and movies. So movies always shows you the underdog. So religion is always showing you Jesus on a cross wearing dirty uh, underwear and suffering, and we're all supposed to feel miserable and bad instead of showing you pictures of Jesus on the cross, uh, not on the cross, actually, uh, but showing, opening his arms with love and unconditional love and healing and images of that so that we have a representation of healing, growth, love, unconditional love. We utilize the idea of victimhood to, 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 as the greatest victim award. So, so what it does, brain sting is a manipulating process. Uh, mu musicians in the music industry don't make music anymore about transformative things that took place in the 70s and the early 80s, which was all about using your brain, thinking revolutionary things to open you up to different spiritual contexts. It actually creates a dissonance in the way in which you perceive information. So the more that brain thing hits you, the more you get those subconscious programming. So you actually begin to perceive your world through those songs. Mm. And if you look at some of the mass shootings, mass killings that have taken place in Europe and different places, a lot of the kids were playing violent video games, shooter up video games that gave them the motivation. Some of them even put the headphones on and listened to the sound of the video game in their head while they were shooting everyone up in the in the process. So the thing is, is that uh, brain things a real thing. And the, the media manipulates us through that, through getting us to listen to things and make us think it's like the hottest cool song. But at the same time, we're being manipulated. Mm -hmm. And so when you meditate, which is why I think it's important that people start to really um, get your book and listen to what you're saying. Because when you meditate, what happens is you release the brain sting, you release the poisonous words, the energies and the attachments to them out of your consciousness. And the poisonous stress chemicals. Yeah, like, and the poisonous stress adrenaline chemicals. adrenaline and cortisol is good for you in a, if a tiger's attacking you, but over time it, mm. it makes you stupid, sick, and slow. 
And, and I've seen for myself and now watching my students, they're like, you know, I used to just fall asleep with the TV and now I, I don't do that anymore. I used to just always have the news on in the background and I don't, I can't tolerate that anymore. You know, so it, the thing I like about meditation is that instead of you having to white knuckle uh, the eradication of your addictions, they just start to become less charming. You just don't really want to watch mm -hmm. that news on repeat. You don't really want, those songs do not sound charming anymore. You start to feel and intuit what kind of foods would be nourishing to your body instead of just staying addicted to the sugar and the processed fats. So I like it because it's, there's no rules here, right? It's like just tap into your own inner bliss, tap into your own fulfillment, flood your own brain with dopamine and serotonin, and then you can actually hear what your body's asking for. Most of us can't hear it because we're in all these addiction cycles because of things like brain sting. Why do you think women are more interested in the health and wellness spiritual model than men are? Mm. I think that women are more... <laughs> I love that, that you just did that. <laughs> you were like, uh-oh, here we go, going in. <laughs> well, I think that we're, you know, honestly, I don't have a great answer for that. I know that it's a thing. I see it happen day in and day out. My only guess, and it's a guess, is that... Let's remove your guess because you're a female and women have intrinsic wisdom inside of them. So when you think about that question, what is your, because you already know the answer to this question, you're just not saying it. So what is the real answer to that question? Well, the thing that's coming up is curiosity. I think that there is this curious nature. And I, and I can only speak for myself and, and what I see from my students. But I know from the time I was maybe, well, actually when I was five years old, hold up. When I was five years old, I was, remember I was standing in the kitchen with my mother and I looked at my mom and I was like, mom, how do you know we're Baptists? She's like, what? Because I was raised Southern Baptist in Tallahassee, yeah. Florida. And she goes, what do you mean? How do you know we're Baptist? I was like, were we born Baptist? Did we choose to be Baptist? Because my mom's best friend was Buddhist. And so the guy I'm listening to at church, this like sweaty white dude is telling me that my mom's best friend is going to burn in hell. And I'm like, okay, so if she hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as her savior, then she's going to hell. I was like, this, this is a problem. <laughs> Your best friend, like we have to talk about this. And so I was like, I'm not necessarily worried about my mom's best friend because she's great. I'm kind of worried about this disparity of reality. And so I was like, can I go and check out some other stuff? And to her credit, she let me. So like I'm five years old. I'm going to the, the um, I mean, there wasn't that great of a selection in Tallahassee, Florida, but I went to my friend's Jewish temple. I went to the Church of Latter-day Saints. I went to all the different things that I could just to be like, well, what? what's available to us. Mm. I think even from a five, I was curious. I was not willing to accept, oh, this is what we are. It didn't feel congruous to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so then at 17, 18, 19, I started reading the Celestine Prophecy, started reading the Seed of the Soul, started reading Getting the Love You Want. So it was this inherent curiosity. And then I think things like my father's death, like it just kept looking for more like what's the universal thing that's connecting all of us and i think that we are like you said if we look biologically men are very good at hunting doing one thing at a time sequentially and women are biologically wired for gathering and taking care of children which means the ability to hold many things in one awareness 
simultaneously. I call it a simultaneity of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that simultaneity of consciousness, and, and Eckhart Tolle actually writes about this in The Power of Now. This is what my husband and I got into a fight about on our first date. Because <laughs> Eckhart says that women are naturally closer to enlightenment than men. It doesn't mean that women will gain enlightenment before men. It just means that we're, because of the simultaneity of consciousness, like hardwired to access it if we choose to wake up. So I think I would... I would put it to two things, curiosity and the simultaneity of consciousness. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm not in, I don't believe in the power of now. I actually wrote about it in my book coming out. Well, you and my husband will get along great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing is, he did a great job, in my opinion, describing what it's like to be in that state. But there's no such thing as a state. There's no such thing as a now state. It's not possible. It doesn't exist. It could never exist. I actually had this conversation with one of my friends who's an astrophysicist. There's no such thing as a now. Where is the now? Time is always in flux. Energy is always in flux. Time actually operates in quantum field. In our dimension, it goes from this moment to the past. The past creates the next moment. So where's the now? Because for you, it's always happening, like past, present, and future are always happening simultaneously. Well, everything is happening simultaneously. Like right now, all of your cells in your body are moving. The wind outside is moving. The trees are moving. Your cells are moving. Your thoughts are moving. Everything is moving. Your emotions are moving. Everything is in constant flux. The moment it stops, it ceases to exist because in order for something to move, attention, a consciousness must be upon it. That's the basic laws of physics. So if you are looking at something, you actually are bringing it into manifestation by acknowledging it. So you're... Your wisdom of acknowledgement and focus actually gives energy to something to propel it into movement. So everything is constantly moving because source is always aware of us. So therefore, everything is constantly living and moving. The moment something stops, it becomes non-existent anymore. So how can there be a now? Unless I'm going like now, now. Now, 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 now. Okay, I'm in the now. I'm in the now. But it's actually me creating a fictitious world in which I go into, which limits me from being a true manifester because to manifest is to be able to live in two different parallels simultaneously, which is the quantum aspect. Me living in the awareness of what was, in the awareness of what can be at the same time. So that's how I create. So if I create, if I want to manifest something, I speak about it in past tense. I love how amazing it was that these friends invited me on this trip to Greece. It was the best time ever. We had so much fun and we had like learned so much about each other. All of a sudden, because the universe is quantum, your consciousness, your subconscious and your unconscious mind sync up immediately and then tap into the quantum part of you that already had that experience and draws it into this dimension. Mm. But if you go into a now, 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 it's like, a, it's like you know, there's this movie called Sliding Doors that, um, that Gwyneth, I think, played in that mm-hmm. movie. But Sliding Doors is interesting because the whole idea is that if you're in the now focusing your attention constantly in a now actually takes you further and further away of being aware of all the different tendrils that are available to you in a quantum field. Mm, yes. I've never heard of any, anyone talking about manifestation from speaking things as if they've already happened. I've yeah. always heard it of happening currently happening. And what I teach in the book is imagine giving people, there's a visualization where they can imagine their dreams as if they are happening you know, presently, but I love that, that it's already done. Yeah, it's already done. That's the whole concept. Like in shamanism, so the concept in shamanism is that the moment you think of something, that's when the spirits are immediately on it. 
that's like, uh, have you ever heard of song lines in the um, indigenous cultures in Australia? They, um, the moment that the mother feels first feels her baby kick in her in her belly, she's meant to like mark the spot, go get the shamans, go get the medicine people, bring them there, and then they can see, oh, this is the alligator line or this is the eagle line, and then that that spirit that's coming in, that's their, um, that's their almost like it's not a totem, but they're like an alligator or an eagle. Yeah, no, it's a totem. Yeah, and then but then the cool thing is that um, because they have their tribe but if you're an eagle and you're walking through some other tribe's land if there's another eagle in that tribe they have to feed you they have to house you and they can't kill you so it's like you always have this extended family beyond your tribe amazing isn't that so beautiful oh it's beyond yeah and it's the from the moment that the mother first feels the kick right so it's almost that same thing like the moment you get this moment of inspiration that is when the thing is happening immediately Mm -hmm. like a friend will say to me oh i'm i'm you know i'm going to start my business i said first of all Creation doesn't work in going. There is no such thing as going. I don't know where human beings got this idea they're going to go do something. (laughs) Yeah, because they're so stuck in the physical. They actually think that the idea of the physical is what moves energy. Thought is what moves energy. That's why I wanted you on um, on, this share because you're creating a book that is helping people to get into that center of themselves, right? When shamanism, the center of the nucleus is where all creation starts, right? So the idea of the now understanding actually locks you in a grid away from your manifestation. Mm-hmm. You're not aware of the quantumness of your being. You're operating from an idea of trying to stop time, which you can't. You're trying to stop the flux, you can't. The only person who could ever stop the flux, even if it's not a person, would be the creator. In order to do that, creation would have to it basically eliminate itself. Mm. At the moment it eliminates it, it eliminates itself, all things disappear because everything exists with the idea of consciousness. And would that be like the black hole? Because my understanding is right now we're about 13 or 14 billion years into this 18 billion year expansion cycle. But then once the universe starts collapsing in on itself, going back into the black hole, like would that be... Uh, the creator destroying itself back into the antimatter? Well, the creation creation doesn't ever destroy itself. From a human perspective, destruction looks a certain way because human beings have attached ideas of linear thinking onto things. Destruction doesn't exist in, 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 in creation. I, 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 how can I put it to you like this? You are an eternal being right? Your understanding of permanency is based upon your belief of living this body or being in this body. Human beings have attachments to this body through the ego, which is your, which protects your narrative so you can play in that field. So if you, I'll give you an example, like a, a technique, a meditation technique we use in shamanism is we tell someone to create a circle of rocks and put themselves in the middle of the circle of rocks and look past the rocks and tell me what you see. Some people say, I see the ocean. Some people say, I see a village. Some people say, I see a mountaintop. Some people say, I see nothing. Okay, fine. Now, we see what they do. If the person, we, we give them time to see if they're willing to venture beyond those stones. If they are willing to venture beyond those stones, it tells us as a shaman that this person can be trainable to shamanism because that means that they're willing to take a journey into the unknown, which means they're willing to discover themselves as the creator. Mm. If they stay within the circles, it means that their fear is still their, is still their placement. So fear is the thing that they're still attaching onto. So then our job is to assist them to look at what is your attachment to this, perm- this, this idea of permanency, this idea of like, this is your life. You're an eternal being. I have no problem getting shot, blown up, burnt, killed, whatever, because I'm an eternal being. This body 
is gone, but I'm still existing. So I can choose a different body in a different dimension and another place. So in the universal scheme of things, that all the dreams that you dream and all the dreams that I dream are creating other universes. So the more you meditate and let's say you visualize a planet that's purple, there's actually a planet that's purple. You're just picking up on it because any, nothing can go past through your consciousness unless it exists in some level because it's not possible because your consciousness perceived it. This is the, this is the, the key element. So when you're going into any kind of perceived idea of now, and the reason why women are able to perceive more than men from a shamanic point of view view. And not saying that all men are not going to always be this way. Men have to let in their feminine energy, but men have been pushed by society, not just society, but by the system that wants to keep us slaves on earth to not go into that field. That's why meditation has been pushed away for so long because you're like what you're saying, meditation, what it does is it keeps bringing you back to your nucleus. Then when you get to the point of the nucleus where you actually start to talk to the voices or the conversations that are happening in your head and you actually communicate to them. So when a voice comes in and goes, yeah, life is so boring. Be like, why is it boring? And then it goes, wait, you're responding to me? And then you get to see your multidimensional self come, become unfold. Mm, beautiful. And that's what I love about this technique is that, like you said, it allows people to connect to the very source of themselves. It, it allows you to move beyond that ego, beyond that identity, and connect to the unmanifest. And and then I think when you do that, now I think, when you do that, <laughs> I have a quick study. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Uh, when you do that, when you're tapping into the unmanifest every day, twice a day, two things happen. One, you're able to hear how nature wants to use you to deliver your gifts to the world. And you're able to communicate with nature your preferences. You know, I'm always saying manifesting is a two-way street. It's it's 50% individuality and 50% totality. It's why we have a left and a right brain. And I think that where people mess it up is where we think, well, I can totally just determine everything myself with individual, which becomes ego and control. Or I'm just in total fatalism. I'm just going to get high on the couch and play video games. And if it's not meant, it's not meant. And it's like, well, hold on. You know, we, it's really duality. It's both. And it's why I love this practice so much is that it's celebrating both the individual and the divine, that it's not about one or the other. And I feel like sometimes, I know that sometimes when people start their spiritual journey, they get so entranced by this other world, this other consciousness, that they start to ignore this world. It's like, well, no, that couch is real and your mortgage is real and your kids are real and, and your work, all those things are real. You have to tend to those. And so is the spirit world. So it's, it's not an either or, it has to be simultaneity. I'm so glad you actually said that because uh, Dave and I talk a lot about this and that's why I can see why we're all part of the same tribe. So what you're talking about is actually something that shamans are waiting for humans to grasp. So, and I just want to go into it because it's so beautiful what you just said. And I want to like take what you said and open it up so that people can understand it more in a shamanic understanding from what you're saying and why all of this is connected. So you're talking about being present in the, in the physical and being present in the spiritual. So in shamanism, the whole, the purpose of shamanism is to make the invisible plane visible to those who are in the physical plane. So literally, they don't realize that in the invisible plane, there are all types of powerful medicines, powerful energies, powerful beings, other dimensional gates, all of these things that 
are literally when people think of like Harry Potter magic and they think of like sorcery and they think of all these things, that's where it lives. But in order to bring it into our world, we have to believe in it, we have to perceive it, and we have to accept that it's real, right? So it has to be formulated by us. So like an example would be, oh, uh, you want to try it? You want to do a shamanic test? Yes. Okay. So put your right hand out. So the three key elements that limits the invisible plane from becoming manifest in the physical plane is your belief system, what you believe is possible, and fear. Okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to say, I create, I create a powerful electrical field. A powerful electrical field. In my right hand. In my right hand. Beyond my fear. Beyond my fear. Beyond my belief system. Beyond my belief system. And beyond what I know to be true. Beyond what I know to be true. Now. Now. Do you feel that? <laughs> Good. Now say, I accept your existence in my world. I accept your existence in my world. Good. How does that feel? Super bubbly <laughs> and like vibrating. Uh-huh. Say, expand your power. Expand your power. And upgrade. And upgrade. I accept your existence in my world. I accept your existence in my world. Now, this is spirit hacking. Watch. Now, say, bring fire from my heart. Bring fire from my heart. How's that feel? Warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> uh huh. Say, make me lighter in my body. Make me lighter in my body. How does that feel? That one didn't feel so different for me. Okay. Say, take me up higher. Take me up higher. And make me lighter. And make me lighter. That's funny. That one doesn't. No. Okay. <laughs> Say, if I have fear. If I have fear. Of traveling from my body. Of traveling from my body. Release it out of my mouth and throat through deep yawn or deep cough. Release it out of my mouth or body through deep yawn or deep cough. Okay, so that felt like the surge up my spine. Good. So that means your body's moving the energy. Mm -hmm. So it means that you have fear mm -hmm. traveling. Mm -hmm. Now, say, do I have a trauma? Mm -hmm. Do I have a trauma? Energy that's in this world. Energy that's in this world. From the invisible planes. From the invisible planes. Do I have a trauma? Do I have a trauma? Of the fear. Of the fear. That if I leave my body. That if I leave my body. I won't be able to come back to it. I won't be able to come back to it. What feeling came over you? Feels a little sad. Yeah. Say, what age was I when, the, when I did this? What age was I when I did this? That I got scared. That I got scared. Seven. That's right. They told me the same thing. Mm -hmm. They said seven. Mm -hmm. So at seven years old, you probably had an out-of-body experience. And during that process, got scared because you didn't know what it was. So you created this idea that if you leave your body, you could die. So you've programmed that into your senses. So it's a protection mechanism that you've put in place. So say... Energy that I've created from the, and brought in from the invisible planes. Energy that I've created and brought in from the invisible planes. Create a spiral energy. Create a spiral energy. Magnetic in form. Magnetic in form. To pull the fear out of my body. To pull the fear out of my body. From when I was seven. From when I was seven. How does that feel? Mm -hmm. Can you feel that moving through your spine? Yeah, and like up through my right trap. Like it feels... Uh, like not 
uh, like a convulsion is kind of the word, but like a mini convulsion. Mm -hmm. Say increase. Increase. I receive more healing. I receive more healing. Good. And tell the tribe how that feels. It feels like um, like an undulation happening up the spine, and then my my head keeps moving to the left. It feels like something wants to come out of my right trap. I was listening to one of your uh, meditations last night, so I was trying to, you know, I, I was I was not trying. I was familiarizing myself with you and your work, and this is the area. This this over here, my lung, my right lung, and my right trap is the area that you when you were walking us through this is where my attention kept coming interesting that's fascinating say this say um say energy energy check my files check my files of any lifetime of any lifetime that i was a witch that i was a witch a medicine woman medicine woman a priestess priestess run through my files run through my files if you find something if you find something lean me forward Lean me forward. See how you just lean forward? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what the problem is. The problem is you haven't allowed your powers from those lifetimes to be fully integrated into this lifetime. So it's that's why you keep moving in that direction is because your your body is locking in this immense power that's like like a bee trying to get out and live its life. And you're like locking it in. Do you know why? Fear of greatness, fear of not being liked, fear of out evolving my friends and family. Hmm. Ask your shadow. Say, shadow, why am I holding back myself as that power? That power? Why am I holding that power back, shadow? Shadow, why am I holding that power back? What does the shadow say to you? That I don't need to hold it back anymore. Mm-hmm. Say, Shadow, is don't don't people have the wrong idea about you? Shadow, don't people have the wrong idea about you? Of course. So the shadow is your light. That is the part of you that you will return to when you choose to let go of all of your attachments. But the reason why it's the shadow is because when the light is reflected from the source into our world, it becomes the shadow because it has to hold on to all the junkery, all the things that you won't take responsibility for with unconditional love. So it becomes the shadow. So a lot of times in the spirit world, people associate the shadow as the shadow part of yourself. It's not. It's actually the part that leads you to the light. But the shadow has will never sugarcoat anything for you and the shadow will always tell you the truth about what's possible mm. good so say shadow can you begin the process of clearing these energies for me to step into who i am as a medicine woman shadow as a priestess can you begin the process of clearing these energies so i can step into who i am as a medicine woman and priestess oh my god i just got this message from your little girl inside she's like it's about time <laughs> <laughs> you got to tell Dave this one. He's going to love it. <laughs> it's already begun. Yeah. yeah. They, they're like, it's a, like your whole, be like the message that just came through. And then this being just came in the room just now. And it was just like, we've been waiting for this day for so long. It's interesting because what, you know, it's really funny because of course you would go into this, this line of, of creation and service, right? Through love, right? I don't call things work. It's like your line of love and service, right? Is to, um, to formulate ways for people to get back into that center. 
um, at the same at the same token, your being has so much power inside, right? And so there's like there's like a missing chamber of remembrance that needed to come through. So you've been doing these practices and teaching these practices, but it was all because, you know, I always say the practice that you teach is there actually to teach you so that you can teach others to become leaders, right? So me being a shaman helped me so much through my child abuse, my sexual molestation, like all these things that I went through. This is helping you formulate a safe place for you to expand in your power and your energy, but also to release it so that you can go to the next level, which is you as the priestess. Mm. Because now I'm getting visions of you now from Egypt. That's what you said the first night we met at that party at Jim, Jim Quick's house. What did I say? Vision and Jim had that dinner where you and I met and you said, oh, I see you in Egypt as, I don't know if it was a priestess. I don't remember, but it was maybe a queen. Like a goddess, yeah. a queen mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some priestesses were revered into that position. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because Dave and I had a past life in Egypt and I connect with you and, and you'll meet my girlfriend one day, Princess Marta Louise, and she was my queen in, in Egypt when I was a pharaoh. And I, when the moment you just opened up that power, I saw... I saw you standing and you had these gold things on you or wearing these gold, like these jewelry, these pieces, and you were walking down these steps and there were these people who were throwing things at your feet and you were speaking to these women and you were talking to these people and you were telling them things. And I saw the pillars and I saw that I saw Egypt just now. And I said that to you when I first met you. See, yeah. I don't even remember. Look yeah, at that. you did. It's that exact same thing. The gold and the people that I was speaking to. Yeah. So it was a very- I said the same thing? Yep. No way. Yep. <laughs> yeah, cool. I just got that vision just now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and you and Dave are having a party. Yeah, just, seriously. Sounds super fun. Yeah. Actually, so interesting. I just got invited to Cairo yesterday. I got an email from an organization being like, hey, we want to come to Cairo. Not sure if I want to go, but um, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, you go there and... You know, we'll see how you feel. I got really angry when I was there. I got beyond angry. I had to meditate every single day, sometimes three times a day because the energy was so intense and the anger was so intense because I remembered, like, I couldn't believe that the Germans would, you know, use the, like, destroy some of the things that there was so much love put into to build and stuff. So it brought up a lot of frustration. Like, how did the people allow this to happen? Like, I was so angry and my friends were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, look at them. How could they do this? How could they do this? You know, and it was that that Pharaoh in me that was reacting. Mm. So it'd be interesting to see how you react if you go to some of the old priestess temples. Mm. Fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, your your path, I, I, I can see right now inside of you, this is just the beginning because I honestly feel like I honestly feel like you're about to step into something new um, after today because you're, what you've already accomplished is so much and so beautiful and so needed on the planet. And then now witnessing what you just did and watching all the energies that I see as a shaman, this is, this is going to, this is a plateau, but this is going to, you're going to go more higher in your plateau because you are literally one of the ancients. Yeah. They said fully embodying that right? Without the fear that someone might think I'm being too egotistical or whatever, but like really honor who you are, you know? Um, It's going to take people to a whole nother level. You're about to create something completely, like you're going to upgrade everything to a whole nother level. I see it power in you. I'd like to hear your 
perspective, because I feel like you're uniquely positioned here. I have, and this might be an old idea or an ego, but I feel like one of my superpowers as a teacher is this accessibility and relatability. And I think that's that's part of the fear, part of the holding on, part of the attachment to this like normalcy, if you will. And And yet I know that as I evolve, all of the people that have trusted me you know, to help them on this journey will also evolve. You know, as I increase my own state of consciousness, it will directly impact them. So I'm very aware of that. And I feel a little straddled in between. And I guess the, the fear is that if I really go, that I will no longer be as accessible, I will no longer be as relevant to, in my opinion, and this could be, again, identity, the people who need it the most. You know, I want to be speaking to the middle Americans, the people who are uh, still that are suffering the most. I get it. And you will. I mean, look, I'm a shaman and I do all these things and that's who I speak to. Mm-hmm. You know, my, like, my book is published with Macmillan. I had a choice to go with one over like another. I chose Macmillan because they're mainstream. Mm-hmm. My, my audience is, is, is the person in Mississippi, the housewife who was like a, you know, who was like full on Baptist Christian, you know, a full on black woman who's just like, you know, you know, praising Jesus with the big hats and everything. And these are the people who are actually, you know, part of the tribe now, right? It's, it's not about, see, what you're going into is this idea of, of are you going to be able to still be acknowledged and respected by these people? First of all, you have to understand something, that these people respect you because of your willingness to go into places that they haven't gone into. Secondly, nothing is going to shift and change you from that being able to reach those people. What's going to happen is that you're going to have more defined information, quick information on how to shift them out of those states, right? And the baby steps and the baby crawling and all that stuff will be completely eliminated. We don't have time for that. We don't. We do not have time for that. We that, don't. Thank you for saying that. That is what I needed to hear. My ability to intuit very quickly how to uplevel people in a quantum way, like that to yeah. me eradicates all of the old story and fear. Thank you. Yeah, because it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a different type of upgrade. It's not gonna be like where you have to go like these step by step processes. You're gonna be intuiting information that is gonna say something to the people. You're gonna create something for the people that is just gonna shift them so quickly. It's gonna be like a quantum leap for them, and they're they're gonna think it's a baby step, but it's actually a quantum leap. Yes. Yeah. So that's what is. they said. So it's really powerful. Like I said, and what's even more powerful is the fact that you hold the the frequency of change because when you were connecting with spirit i was watching to see how you open up the spirit world you go in like a child you go in like a child like you're open to things which we call data open right and someone who's data open means they're available to different levels of consciousness and evolution right people who are data open were like einstein thomas edison you know people who were you know steve jobs people who were willing to be present with society but be able to move through those realms and then translate it into what's going on now and what's necessary for our innovation our evolution and that's what you have you know, and that's what I like to see. That's the kind of like, literally I heard in my head, like, you got to show her more. You got to show her more because uh, the trajectory of, of, of that energy is going to be able to skyrocket people in such a way that they're going to think, oh my God, this is easy. And yet, if you weren't stepping into that space, 
it would be a little bit more challenging for people because you're creating you're creating a pathway for them. You're like, I'm going there, getting the information, but I'm translating it in a language that you understand. Mm-hmm. Translator. Yeah. Yes. So that's really powerful. Exciting. So how can people find your book? Okay, so it's basically everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And there's a link inside the book. At the end of almost every chapter, I have an exercise. And if people go to the link in the book, they can have an audio version of that. There's so many beautiful book bonuses. There's guided visualizations for simply getting out of that fight or flight. There's things for better sex. There's exercises for creating intimacy with your partner. There is... Oh, sleep. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, the, all the stuff that we're just struggling with on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's where the book is, Stress Less, Accomplish More. And then people can learn more about my work at Ziva at zivameditation.com. And I'm all over social media at Ziva Meditation. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here for today's share. Man, I'm so thrilled to know you. <laughs> Thank you for your bravery. Because it's brave to step into your freak flaggishness and to boldly own it the way that you do and to be so generous with your gifts. I've seen you heal many of my friends and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to connect with you. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. It's an honor to see you and to witness the power that you're capable of bringing through your being. It's beautiful to see the grounding that you're holding in this world. So you're not, because one of the things I can't stand is when people go, I'm spiritual, I'm spiritual. And then they go way off here in La La Land, which is exactly what the Matrix wants. It's like, okay, let's go, let's keep them way out there. So they're so, un, they're not relevant to the world. So no one will listen to them. And what I, th- it's really important for, you know, for integration, collaboration of energies that actually create a foundation to where people are. You know, like when I talk to my religious friends, I'm speaking to them about the Bible because I studied the Bible. And But the same thing is I'm helping them understand certain things, certain types of parts of the scripture and helping them understand the depths of it from a different way because of the information that I have, but I'm speaking their language. So they're like, whoa, wait a second, are you telling me that Moses was a shaman? And I'm like, yep. Well, I did the research on the Midian tribe. You're right, they were shamans. I'm like, yep. And that's why God chose him to be able to see the burning bush and was able to understand what needed to be done to go back and free the people because he was a shaman. If he wasn't trained as a shaman, he would have never saw the burning bush. He would have never saw this thing. And his wife was a powerful medicine woman named Zipporah. So it's like teaching them and re-educating, but from a perspective of taking what's spiritual, but making it accessible. Yes. Two things. I know we're wrapping, but one, have you ever read of or heard of the book of Water and the Spirit? I read it when my philosophy of feminism class when I was in college. And I'm going to find it. I don't even know if it's in print, but I'm going to find a version. I'm going to send it to you. I would love that. It is of this, this little boy who was raised in Africa in a tribe and he was kidnapped when he was 12 by French Catholic missionaries. And so he was taken, he never went through his rite of passage as becoming a man. And he was sitting in a desk in this school and he eventually, spoiler alert, like shoved his priest out the window and then jumped out and then just ran, just started running and somehow intuited his way home. But then he had to go through, he's now 18 years old but he's being treated like a child because he never got initiated as a man. So he goes through this initiation ceremony, but having French and English. So he writes this book about it. And I just felt like it was such a gift as a Westerner to be able to read this this ceremony, all these different ceremonies that he had to do. Um, and I thought, I thought that, I don't know, this morning on my, on my ride here, I was like, I must tell Shaman Durek about this. And then last thing I want to ask you is, have you ever seen, if people go and do ayahuasca, and I know you don't use medicines, I know you're a spirit shaman, but 
have you ever heard of the phenomenon where the medicine, the plant medicine, because it's the most intelligent thing on the planet, can put people to sleep? Like if it's not down with what you're up to on the planet, absolutely. Be like good night. Yeah, of course. Well, absolutely. Okay, That's, but, medicine does that. Glad we have this talk. the spirit. Of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the spirit of the plant will not play. I told people. One friend of mine goes, "I'm going to go do an ayahuasca ceremony." Calls me up like three days later and goes, "The weirdest thing happened. Like I was on the ayahuasca, nothing happened." I just went to sleep. I woke up. I felt kind of queasy and it was fine. Nothing. I don't understand. I said, because you weren't chosen. The plant, then you're not ready for that. Like it, it, there's certain people who are not supposed to ingest those things into their body. Mm-hmm. I myself don't agree to adjusting it. But then again, I do know that the medicine does help certain things. It's My issue isn't about the medicine. My issue is about the usage of the medicine yeah. and the hangout of the medicine, like where people do it once, then they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again because they become codependent. And I think anyone who becomes a codependent human being on any level, be it in your relationships, your spirituality, what you do in your, what you do as far as your love in this world, any form of codependency uh, can create a lot of damage to a human being. And I think we need to be independent lit leaders and part of the Liddy Committee. Each of us have a voice. Each of us has a vision. Each of us has a dream. And each of us has teachings to offer the tribe. You know, you teach me, I teach you, we teach everyone, everyone teaches us. And we become this beautified, uniformed um, energy that begins to transmute darkness back into light through love and consciousness through love and everything through love. And that becomes the anthem of the world. And then the other beings will connect with us because no other being wants to land their, their self here and be here a part of us if we're operating from this kind of um, kill our own species mentality, Yeah, you know, and... Yeah, I had a meeting, had an honor of meeting with Marianne Williamson this week, and we were talking about how if if the planet decides to kick humans off because of climate change, it's like, you know, she's like, but it's not just going to be humans are gone. She's like, the level of human suffering that would have to, that would lead up to that moment of humans going extinct is not something that any of us can afford to tolerate. And we might be gone, but our children will still be here. So... It was a it was a good wake up call for Mama Marianne. Yeah, I love I love Marianne. I helped her with her campaign when she was running for governor, and uh, <laughs> I was like, "We need to safeguard you. We yes. need to like you know put you into this room." And like so I was sitting there giving her counsel, talking to her. I was like, "You can't be answering all these questions. You need to be focused on you, and you have to have a team around you who are strong." But I don't. I see you going bigger than this. And now it's nice to see what she's doing. And I I think it's important what she's doing too. You know, I'm not here. Shamans, we're not supposed to be political. We're not supposed to get invested in the matrix and the things that go on in the matrix. Our job is only to be here to teach people how to navigate the matrix and how to um, create a new dream so that we can live a new world. But I will say this, that the messages that she's bringing forth of love, kindness, generosity, Strength, courage, understanding, transparency, atonement, atonement um, integrity. These are lessons that everyone should embody. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you believe in her or not, doesn't matter to me because I don't need to know your political views. What I do care about is only one view. And when I talk to my friends who are Republican or Democrat or my friends who are super um, environmentalist, I say to them, you can't exclude your brothers and sisters. Shamanism is an all-inclusive thing. The thing is, You may not agree with their views. However, you will never understand their views if you're judging them. Because in shamanism, judgment means you're blind. 
right? And so what we have to do is look at the understanding of love's definition. If my friend is Muslim, if my friend is Christian, if my friend is Baha'i, if he's Buddhist, if he's Tibetan, if he's whatever it is, is your practice drawing more love into your life and into the lives of others? If it's not, then why are you doing it? And that's it. Yep, that's it. Bottom line. Love. Is it love? <laughs> love is all there is. Love is all there is. Love is all there is. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, darling. You're oh, wonderful. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Hey, tribe. So please, you know, um, I don't even need to ask you because I know you're already going to get her book, but I just want you to know how amazing you are. And I'm so happy that you were here for today's share. And also, I just want you to know that you are the reason that all of this is important. Remember that you can't sit back and look at us or look at Emily and go, oh, well, they're doing it, but and I'm not. No. You are. You have a light, a key inside of you that also lends to that bridge of evolution, right? And so we need all of you, each and every one of you, to bring your messages, bring your teachings, bring all of it, because it's necessary. So I invite you to, to really see that inside yourself. And I know that you do, and I know how powerful you are, and I know how capable you are, and that makes me very happy, Shaman. Uh, so I just want to let you all know, I love you so much. I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you so much much. Uh, please, you can follow me at Shaman Dirk um, on Instagram or go to shamandirk.com to get leveled up. I love you. And remember, you are powerful and there's no one else who can do it better than you. Until next year, see you later, alligator. <laughs>